Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening from Coolidge, Arizona. It's uh, February the 14th. Now, I was told by somebody nobody will be listening tonight since it's a holiday, but I don't believe that. But it's raining here uh, and, and chilly. Uh, if we don't have, we're going to have to get rid of the global warming because we're freezing down here in Arizona. Um, and wet. But that's unusual. But I'd like to welcome everyone this evening. Uh, we're going to be starting with Daniel chapter 11 this evening after finishing, of course, chapter 10 last time that we were on the air. Um, and according to all of our um, figures, as far as dates go, um, this time period, as far as when this occurred, in the life of Danny would have been about 538 or 39 uh, BC, probably 538 more more to the point, because it's in the first year of Darius the Mede, as my English Bible says, and in the Septuagint um, it is uh, called the first year of Cyrus. Uh, not Cyrus, uh, the king of Persia, or uh, any of those extra words. And uh, I'm going to look at this verse a lot closer, uh, and maybe next week I'll have a little better answer. There seems to be uh, an issue about the names not being there, or uh, a lot of the words aren't don't seem to be there. But it's interesting. But as you know, uh, according to what we've done so far, as far as the dating goes, um, Cyrus and Darius, uh, as far as the time frame goes, they both had a first year as far as the, the uh, Babylonian Empire being uh, over, overcome in 539, 538. And uh, Cyrus was indeed uh, a king in Persia, and Darius was... Uh, a general. He had a number, two or three other names besides that, but he's known as Darius the Mede by Daniel. And he was the ruler, the king in Babylon. And all of this was in uh, context of the Medo-Persian Empire at that particular time. It eventually, some years later, only about eight or nine years later, became the Persian Empire um, when Darius had passed away. So, um, one of the things that I noticed in, uh, as this uh, chapter starts out is that all of the English Bibles I have listed as uh, the first year of Darius the Mede, and, um, and only the Septuagint gave it uh, the uh, title Cyrus, but with no other uh, words to go along with his position at this point. I'm not certain why there's that difference, but I'm going to find out uh, if I can. Neil? Yes. One thing you might keep in mind here is that Septuagint <clears throat> doesn't follow the placement of the verses the same. So they, they are sometimes, uh, they appear to be scrambled. Yeah, they, yeah. So that's why we, in verse 1, we have... Uh, different words than what we have in chapter 11, verse 1 in our English Bibles because it has tried to unscramble the Septuagint. And that's just exactly right. Um, we just need a little more time to comb, it, comb yeah, through it. As David said, that we're going to study this a little closer because the English versions are trying to clarify 
the Septuagint, or the the Greek, or the Hebrew, because well, we have the, both here. The order of how the the placement of the the, the words. Placement of the words, right? <clears throat> That's right. So uh, I just think it's an interesting uh, situation. Although, as I said, uh, according to our studies so far, uh, as far as the first year, Darius or Cyrus, there wouldn't be any difference. Uh, so I think we're on solid ground there, and yet it's nice to uh, not have a little mystery such as that. Yeah, and, but we'll we'll run it down if possible. And from all the uh, things that I see in print, it may be difficult to do that. Now, one thing we need I, to avoid, and some have made this uh, um, statement too, is to some of the thinking that I've read in other uh, places that Daniel was somehow in error as to who it is, who it is that he's speaking of. Um, that I find um, uh, a little hard to, to reconcile. Uh, remember, this is the scriptures. And these things uh, have been, are from ancient days. There are many, many places that this is checked, double-checked, and we know this is the ancient word. Daniel was not in error of the names of these people. He met them face to face. I think he probably knew who he was talking to. So um, it was um, Darius. The, he was the ruler that took Babylon that night, uh, that very night that the hand wrote upon the wall, as you'll remember, um, in Daniel chapter 5. The scripture is also clear in Daniel 5.31. As it closes out that chapter, it says, Darius the Mede received the kingdom of Babylon at about the age of 62. And he reigned, as we know from history, uh, some say three years, others say, most say, eight or nine years. Uh, and you know, that seems about right, too. Uh, the age of 70 was kind of a kind of an age that uh, men lived to in that area, uh, in that time frame, if you'll think about uh, some of the contemporaries. Uh, some of them not even that old. Um, so that's very possible that that could be the case. We don't know exactly when Darius died, but we do know when the son of Cyrus um, became king, so we know about when when Cyrus died, and not too long after that. And yes, the Persian king that oversaw the war in Babylon and elsewhere uh, in the known world at that time was Cyrus, uh, Cyrus, rather, the Persian king. So we don't really have any error. We just have uh, maybe a misconception of the ancient history of that period. That's how I see it, at least. Um, Certainly these things occurred, uh, but if you look at the, the names uh, that you read in other places, not, not the scriptures, but uh, in, in historical accounts from either Josephus or some of the other ancient writers, uh, we'll find that these men had different names given by different people in different places in the world. Yeah. And because of that, we have some issues with names. Um, you know, over here, you know, he's called one thing, and, and, um, and, and they have a list of names that we find them. Uh, we find them. So that, that causes some confusion. We need to be careful before we uh, slam the door on someone's name here. Uh, there may be more that we need to understand. I know there's a list for uh, Darius um, of about five different names that, that are associated with him, and also he's associated with the name of his father too. So, it, it, it's have a, different names for me, depending <laughs> on how angry they are. I was going to say, <laughs> even today we have different names yeah. for people. Rick, for instance, he calls me a peep squeak. Oh, but I was going to say they shouldn't all be adjectives. But no. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. Also, in the Bible, it states that 
Babylon would fall to the Medes. Uh, you know, I don't remember ever hearing that except in the Bible. They, they don't really talk about that in other historical accounts. But in Isaiah 13, 17, um, matter of fact, we should read that. Isaiah 13, 17. Yeah, speaking of, uh, this whole chapter is talking about uh, Babylon. But it says, Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them who shall not regard silver, and as for gold they shall not delight in it. And their bows shall dash the young men in pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. And it goes on and on in, in, in that vein. But you see, the Medes are, are brought into this the same way that Cyrus is brought into this as far as Cyrus's work was to, was to uh, give the edict uh, that the uh, Jews could return home and not only that, but to rebuild the temple. Um, so we have to understand that these people were, Darius and Cyrus were certainly contemporary and were... Uh, doing things uh, concerning the Jews at the same time. Also, we find that same thing in Jeremiah 51, verse 11 in particular, but the whole chapter is talking about uh, Babylon, and I think that's uh, also interesting. Um, yeah, in Jeremiah uh, 51, 11, it says, Make sharp the arrows, hold firm the shields. Jehovah hath stirred up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, because his purpose is against Babylon to destroy it. For it is the vengeance of Jehovah, the vengeance of his temple. So, um, by the way, there were a number of kings in these kingdoms. Uh, but there was, of course, always the king. Uh, and as Nebuchadnezzar found out in our studies of Daniel, there was a king even grander than he. Uh, and that's really uh, what this whole book of Daniel is about. A lesson he learned the hard way. A lesson that Nebuchadnezzar had to learn over and over again. But um, there's even a thought that these other kings that we're speaking of here, especially Darius, uh, had a little better understanding of the, the god of the of the Jews, or the God of Daniel, as he's known many times in this writing. Uh, and I think there's probably something to that. Um, the Medes and the Persians had an ancient religion. Uh, it's known as Zoroastrianism now, but it was uh, certainly not really, it wasn't considered a pagan or idolatrous religion. It was a concept of a of two great powers in the spiritual realm, one for good and one for evil. That's how it started. And I don't know, I think they, it came, probably came from, it's kind of a corrupted version of, of the truth, you know. It's an ancient, an ancient religion of the, uh, the Medes and, and the Persians. And by the way, it's still, it's still there in Iran. Although they, these people have been hunted down by the Muslims uh, for centuries, uh, most of them extinct, but I actually met a man from there that had grown up there, and he is, in fact, a Zoroastrian. Um, so I guess that's something. Um, also, Daniel chapter 5 and 6, uh, 5 verse 31 and Verse in chapter 6, 28 also talks about Darius. Um, Darius was not a Persian, but he was from the land of Media. He was born about the year 600 B.C. See, he was born uh, while Daniel had already been in captivity in Babylon some years already, about nine years. And he was the son of Ashurus of Median descent. Scripture's clear on that. Chapter 9, I believe, in Daniel. Now, that's a little bit of, of uh, 
introduction there, but now I want to try to prepare us for the content of Daniel chapter 11. Uh, for it's also much different from the rest that we have surveyed thus far. I think it's very different uh, because of how it's, it's given. Um, this chapter is, in fact, a chronicling of a period of history, a long period of history. And as we know, it starts here uh, around the time frame of 538 B.C. Uh, when the uh, Medo-Persians had conquered Babylon. The last vestiges, I mean, they had been winning against uh, war, little wars and skirmishes for many years. And they finally uh, overthrew them in 538 in the capital. Um, but it, this, this uh, chronicling starts there at 538 B.C., and it goes through the reign of Alexander the Great, which in just Alexander himself, it's uh, about 336 to 330 or 323 B.C., just a short time, that Alexander, uh, his life, but he did much in, in those um, few short years. Then it goes through the time frame of his generals, those, those that inherited his kingdom, his four generals, uh, known as the North and South Kingdoms, also two other generals. And it takes us right up to the Roman ruler, Pompey, who in 63 B.C. Um, had to settle um, the dispute in, the, in, the, uh, in Israel and other places amongst the uh, north and south kingdoms, as they were known. And he took control of the area, about 63 B.C. And, and the chapter concludes with, uh, it seems, Julius Caesar, as the next uh, in individual here, uh, he ruled from about 59 through 44 B.C. when he was, uh, when he was killed. And that's where chapter 11 ends in the 45th verse. But there's a whole lot of living in those years, a whole lot of things that's happened, uh, things that they've wrote many books about, and there's been many accounts concerning uh, uh, especially Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony and Cleopatra and and the northern, north and south kingdoms, Ptolemy and Seleucia kingdoms. And it's intriguing the way it's written because none of these names are mentioned in, in the record, just, the, just the, the names of the kingdoms and the locations and things of that sort rolling on one after the other. But there's another way to look at it uh, besides that. And it's probably the way that I would look at it. It's a little easier to understand. So Daniel 11, verses uh, 1 and 2, um, concern Cyrus, king of Persia, as it starts, of course, and all of the other Persian kings. The first five are, in, uh, are mentioned very clearly. Um, Cyrus, and then the next four, there's three, and then the fourth one that they want to talk about a little bit. And then there's, there's a remaining following kings, just the ones that have been documented, that have been remembered, about seven more. And that's in the Persian kingdom. And that's verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> then in verse 3 and 4, uh, I call this the rise and fall of Alexander the Great. And that's the dates 336 B.C. to 323. Just verse 3 and 4 takes in his whole, his whole time, uh, brings it right up to his death. He, he died in Babylon of, we don't know what, there's many reports he fell off a horse or, or other uh, situations. You'd think after all the, the fighting he'd been through, he, it would have been something other than just uh, 
uh, good living. Apparently, that he had settled down in Babylon as his capital, but he died at a young a young man. I believe he was 33 years of age. And then his kingdom went not to his sons or his wife. He had a son. One was uh, illegitimate, and another was from his wife, who was a younger son. All of these individuals that were part of his posterity, his family, were all killed after his death, which is kind of a normal scene for uh, monarchies of this sort. And ultimately, after some struggles, four of his generals became dominant. And that's where we are in, in verses 5, clear through 39 in chapter 11. And the four generals of the Greek Empire, as it was known, um, in no particular order here except one, the first one being Cassandra, and Lysimachus. The third one is Seleucus, who was also known as the King of the North, and and his posterity also always known as the King of the North. And the last one is Ptolemy Soter, who is known him and his sons that would follow or are known as the Kings of the South. Um, and they became the dominant two. Uh, Seleucus and Ptolemy uh, became the dominant kingdoms, the one of the north and south. And there was uh, one of the east and west, too, as far as that, that goes. But um, they were not as uh, busy as these two. And there are many descendants, because from the year 323 B.C. to the year 63 B.C., a lot of time elapses. And that, of course, is at the advent or the real, the real breaking out or the real powerful move of the, uh, it was the Roman Republic, became the Roman Empire. Uh, I think that we, it started with um, Pompey. Others say it was Julius Caesar. But remember, Pompey, and Julius Caesar, and um, and another another man, I forget his name now. Uh, there was three of them, and they were all rulers together uh, for a period of time. But they were also uh, in competition with one another. And these things always have a way of working, sorting itself out as time passes. So... Note, note this, if you will, as we look at this chapter, uh, verses 40 through 45. Uh, we see this; uh, these verses are really the, the uh, visual effect of Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the image that resembled a statue, a gigantic statue of a man, uh, and it had four parts that were clearly defined by what they were made of their substance. Well, this is the last section. This is the fourth kingdom, as Daniel described it. The first, second, and third kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom and the Persian kingdom and then the Greek kingdom. And now the Roman kingdom, being the fourth kingdom, is the legs and feet of, made of iron and clay, especially down around the feet, and we call this the fourth kingdom. Uh, I believe we could say that it started with Pompeii, 63 A.D., as I've said. And it ends in chapter 11 with the reign of Julius Caesar. That's not the end of the Roman uh, Empire, of course, but it's, it's the end of, this, of his life, um, which is about 44 B.C. Now, that's a lot of time. Uh, there, just in that one chapter. And I guess the idea, or the idea might occur to some that why in the world is all this history being given, and what in the world would Daniel, why would this be of any real benefit to him? Why was it a useful thing for him to know about and understand? 
Um, remember, the whole study of Daniel, we've had everything that, that we have been studying here is concerning Daniel and his relationship with, with the powers of, of, the, of the world, but how all of this affected his people. Remember, Daniel starts with his people being in captivity in Babylon, brought there by Nebuchadnezzar, but because they were being punished by their God for departing his ways, 70 years of a sojourn in Babylon as punishment for uh, various things that they had done that we have talked about in these past months, And I think that's what we need to understand. All of this touches on that. And as I said before, there really aren't any names given of the principle through this chapter um, for Daniel to remember or think about. And really, it didn't matter what their names were uh, because one thing builds upon another and, and he sees that time rolls on, uh, that um, uh, powers come and they go, and how does that affect his people? What, what a remarkable builder of faith that this book is. And, yeah. I mean, the hundreds of years into the future, laying things out line by line, king by king, and I, as we've talked about before, some of the people in, in this time period, they, some of the Jews, they didn't go back for whatever reason, they didn't want to go back to Jerusalem, or they they were right. they they had lost some of the, the lost some of the bite, some of yeah. the desire, and, and what a just what an incredible builder, building block of faith that this is. Amen. Yeah, that that's that's important, isn't it? Uh, so just having this was a great benefit to them, and, and I, I imagine they they understood it and they knew about it. Remember, there were other prophets writing during Daniel's time too. In uh, in captivity, Ezekiel being one, and and others, but um, you know the what you have to remember though is all of this history is written in perfect order, long before any of it happened. Yeah. So if you want to be amazed, don't worry about not the names being given or dates being given, but just think about all the fact that. Everything is there. And now, today, we can look back and we can put a name on nearly every person in that whole account. Um, now, obviously, there will be some disputes over some of, the, some of the names, even some of the dates, maybe, although there's no dates given. So it's hard to argue over a date that isn't there. Uh, but nonetheless, that's just a recording of history. And I think it's just incredible that all this is given, of course, long before it happened. Um, you know, just just a year or two in advance would have been uh, quite a feat. But Daniel had an understanding here that God was telling him about things that were far into the future. And I think there was some comfort there. Uh, it gave Daniel the idea that God was aware of these things. They weren't out there flying on their own. So why did Daniel need to know? Well, because all of these rulers and kings and wars, all the events that's described in chapter 11 and chapter 12 that's coming up, happened all around and throughout the land of the Jews, Palestine, Judea, etc., you know that northern and southern kingdom? Well, right in the middle of that northern and southern kingdom was Israel. And whenever these people would have their wars, they'd take it, they'd take it to the middle ground almost, and, uh, and it was Bedlam. It was a, a tough place to be. Um, his people were greatly affected by all of these events and kingdoms of men. And these were all kingdoms of men uh, that were uh, headed by men and they were ruled by men and, uh, that, and, and they were st the struggles of men, if you want to look at it that way. 
But all these things affected the people of God, the covenant people at that time, um, through all of the various kingdoms that we find. And, you know, through this period we have the Persian kingdom, the Greek kingdom, and then the Roman kingdom. It's incredible all this is, is happening to Daniel all at this time. So I would say this is not this is a little difficult to understand, uh, and yet uh, there are wonderful records of these things given almost word by word as far as giving names to all these individuals. We're going to deal with some of them, not all of them, uh, because some of it uh, moves very well without names. But if we just look at, and I think we have to start with the first verse, as we always do in this chapter, and look at the idea of uh, Darius. And we're going to find um, that there's a lot of confusion in this book and throughout other recorded history, not scriptural history, but uh, history of that have been recorded for men, secular history, about this Darius. And it's always a big question mark. But let, let's look at some facts here about Darius and Daniel. Now, Daniel was approximately 86 years old when he met Darius the Mede, or when Darius overran Babylon and he came to know him at that time. He may have known him beforehand because he was in the area but uh, Daniel would have been about 86 we know that Darius was 62 years old Darius the Mede as he's called uh, now the other Darius that's always usually confused with this Darius Darius the Mede is another Darius Darius the first um, but you see Darius the first didn't rule until 521 B.C. And Daniel would have been 104 years old at that time. How much? 104 years old. By age. Yeah, about your age. Well, yeah. he's not quite that old. But 104, yeah. And so I, I really think that this, even though we don't know for sure, except that we do know, um, Daniel was probably not, not with anyone at that time, at 104 years, approximately. Um, and here's the other thing about Darius. Uh, this was Darius I. There were three other Dariuses that were kings of uh, Persia after this one. And there were a number of, of other men. And by the way, they all had some other names too. Uh, but just think, there's there's four, so there's five Dariuses that we know of. So there's no wonder there's some confusion. But Darius the Mede is always brought out as Darius the Mede, and I think that's a key as far as the, the scriptures were, were given. So as I said, 70 years of age was uh, an average age of, of men that lived to be old and then passed on. So I believe Daniel would have been long gone before Darius I, the king of Persia, would have been um, anywhere involved in the uh, rulership of the Persian kingdom at that time. And if we look at the scriptures uh, in Daniel, chapter 5, verse 31, we find the word Darius the Mede. And then in 628 of Daniel, we find Darius and Cyrus being given as Daniel served these kings and, and had a uh, uh, 628. So this Daniel prospered in the reigns of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Okay. Then in 9.1, Darius is also called the son of Alshurus. Then in chapters 10.1, we have the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, and 11.1, first year of Darius the Mede. So the, this, the Daniel's fairly clear on these things, I think. 
although the orders of the chapters, as, as you realize, are far from in, in any real order. As a matter of fact, this chapter should follow chapter 8, but it doesn't. Uh, but we know it. Be, we know of it because of the time frame that we have here. So verse 1 says, And I in the first year of Cyrus stood to strengthen and confirm him. Um, and it says virtually the same thing concerning Darius. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll have uh, try to get a little more information on that and see if we can run that down. Neil? Yes. A question, and I, I missed what you said in, in going over this, um, the chronology here. Mm-hmm. In chapter 11, we end up with Julius Caesar. Was, was that your, yeah, that, your that's, that's my best evidence, yes. Now, I think that's right. Yeah. And so then between chapter uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and this last verse of this chapter, we have then an answer to Isaiah 7.16. And we have to look for that. Isaiah 7.16, should we turn to it? Well, you can if you want to, but I don't, I, I don't want to discuss it because that's not where you're headed but we need to look for the answer as we proceed because the answer will be found very likely i'm I'm giving you a little bit of suspense yeah oh uh, isaiah 7 verse 14 through 16 and uh, oh yeah let me just hit the high point the Lord will give himself a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Now, how many people were born from a virgin? Only one. We know. And, and bear a son. And remember that in the womb, he was in the feminine gender because he was born of the woman's seed. Yes. Very, that's, that's miraculous. Yes. And they will call his name, God is with us, not against us. Yes. Emmanuel. Who, who might this be referring to? Anybody can answer. <laughs> Very likely. Butter and honey shall he eat. Now, this man's a man after my own heart. Uh, he knoweth to refuse the evil. And when, 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 circle that when, he knoweth to, receive, uh, to refuse the good and choose the good. I mean, refuse the evil and choose the good. For before, for, now he, he gives us uh, a conclusion here. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Now, what child is he talking about? Jesus. So what did he have to learn? How to refuse evil and how to choose good. He had to learn that as the process of being a man. That's right. And the land, now the, the part that I want to refer to, but we don't want to deal with it today because it's ahead of us. But just to set the table... The land who, whose two kings thou abhorrest shall be forsaken. The land yeah. will be forsaken prior to this child coming onto the scene and doing these things. And that fits perfect with the chronology. And that fits into the chronology of the yeah. chapter that we're in. Right. So I just want to keep that in mind. And that's Isaiah 7, 14 through... Through 16. Yeah. yeah, you need to write that down. That's very interesting. It fits perfectly. Because you see, the kingdoms of the north and the south come to an end. Their, their reign comes to an end. They are gone and replaced by, by Rome. And, you know, and this, these verses don't say the, the kings. No. It, 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 the, the, the land will be gone. I mean, they'll be destroyed. I think that's what it's how, how it's worded I so. uh, in Isaiah seven sixteen. So that has to fit into Isaiah's comment. There has to fit into where you are right now. It does. It somewhere. does somewhere, yeah. and I'm not going to tell you where. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you meant by discover. Um, what? We'll discover it. We'll discover it. Right. <clears throat> right. And uh, that's very good. Thank you. Um, 
So the and answers over to your left. Yeah, <laughs> the answers are there if we uh, will search them out, right? Yep. That's verse one, and I think I've probably said enough about Darius. Um, and then verse two, we go into more of of the uh, uh, of the same. Verse two says it says a lot. Um, but what it says, and now I will tell thee the truth. Behold, there shall yet rise up three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be very far richer than all. And after that, he is master of his wealth. He shall rise up against all the kingdoms of the Greeks. And we have to stop there because there's a lot said in just that one verse. Uh, to start with, um, the way it's written here, uh, this message uh, or the clarification of the vision, it doesn't say it's a vision here in verse 2. We have to go clear to, chapter, or, uh, clear to verse 14 to find that out. Uh, but the... Uh, the messenger is being put almost in the first uh, uh, first person grammatically here. Um, the way it says, the way it reads, and now I will tell thee the truth. And you know, the uh, the angels speak, or the messengers from heaven speak this way to Daniel. And I think that's interesting. And in verse 14, when we get to it, we'll see that it's confirmed as far as this being a vision, uh, or a clarification of a vision, mm -hmm. um, more to the point, because we've kind of been over this area before, uh, as far as Persia and Alexander and, and that sort of thing. We've, we've been here before, uh, but not to this extent, um, because it's talking about these, these kings. Let me give you an idea of the kings, the Persian kings, from a list I have. Uh, Cyrus, of course, being the king that that's mentioned here that we know of. But then it talks about three more. Cambius, which, by the way, is the son of Cyrus. He was co-regent with Cyrus for some years and then inherited the kingdom in 529 B.C., and he ruled to 522 B.C. <clears throat> when another one called uh, with the name of Gromets, he only ruled eight months, and he was also known as a usurper by many, 522 B.C. And then we find a, a power struggle in a man that we just spoke of about, Darius I, uh, began to rule in 521 B.C., clear through 486 B.C., had quite a long reign. Now, there's the three that he was speaking about. Um, yet shall rise up three kings in Persia, followed by a fourth. And who's the fourth? Uh, Xerxes, as he's known. And... He ruled from 486 B.C. to 465 B.C. And he inherited from these other kings a vast kingdom, a vast fortune, uh, wealth beyond, you know, probably he didn't even uh, know what his wealth was except it was so grand it was impossible to count. Um, he raised an army that possibly is, is the largest army that's ever walked the earth at that time. Just think, way back then. Um, and the, the, it goes anywhere from uh, two and a half million strong to five million strong, according to who you're, you're listening to. Um, most people feel this is the man that was the husband of Esther um, also. His son that followed him was Artaxerxes, uh, but we're not getting into that <clears throat> right now. 
So this is Xerxes. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. And there's also another thought that Esther was the wife of Artaxerxes, the son of Xerxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the right time. Is- it, it, it's the right time. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've. Uh, that's why I just put it as a notation. And there's people on both sides of that issue. <clears throat> but there again, it's difficult to date these um, these issues. Uh, there aren't really any dates in Esther, of course, but um, the time frame, it certainly fits in with this very well. <clears throat> so we look at that verse. We find the idea, he shall rise up against the kingdoms of the Greeks. And I think that means the stronghold of the Greeks. Uh, Alexander, and and they had cities and areas that they were powerful in. Um, Xerxes, a little bit about Xerxes before we close tonight, um, is this. Of course, he was the richest of all these because the kingdom was advancing. The Persian kingdom was growing. They were acquiring more land. And, of course, when they did that, they acquired the wealth of the land, too. Um, And as we know, Cyrus collected much wealth. Cambius, his son, also inherited from uh, his father and Darius all the victories and the plunder of the temples wherever they went. Um, The wealth further was increased by the conquests of Darius I, who was also uh, a Persian king who imposed heavy taxes on the people of that kingdom at that time. So all of this wealth fell into the hands and was inherited by Xerxes. Strength And by his strength and by his riches, he would stir up all the realm of Greece, the scripture says. That is, he would make war with Greece. And Greece had not come under the subjugation of Persia yet. And that was kind of a thorn in their side. It was considered a small, uh, weak army. And yet, every time they come up against them, they would run into trouble. And they'd have to either back off or change course or something would happen. Um, If you want to read about this Xerxes, you'll find he did all kinds of crazy things. He he built a bridge, uh, the biggest bridge that ever been built across the body of water. Uh, He burnt Athens. Uh, He dug a canal from one place to another just so he could row his warships when he could have went over the land quicker. <laughs> but he did all these things because he, he was able to do them. There's a positive statement yeah. there. Not how he, what he used it for, but he administrated, he managed his wealth. There's a real interesting development of that word in the Hebrew. He, he mastered he had a mastery mm-hmm. of his wealth. Mm-hmm. He knew what wealth was for and how to use it. He, he wasn't like we are. You know, we get 10 bucks and we, sell, we quickly spend 11. Yes. But he was master. He, he was in control, not his wealth. That's the point I wanted to make. He, not his wealth, but he mastered his wealth. And I think that's, in spite of what he did with it, which is another issue, oh, yeah. but his ability to to stay on top of what all that he had as one of the richest people in history, yeah. uh, he he had control and managed his capital. Well, that was the template of being a king of Persia was to expand the empire. Sure and to acquire wealth. And this man was a master of it. In other words, he didn't squander it. It didn't slip away. 
Uh, he was using it for the intent that he felt was important at that time. But, you know, we need to know about these people. And Xerxes is a very interesting person. Um, I, I think uh, the more we look at it, there's been uh, many books written about this time period. Um, there's one that I haven't read. It's called The Life of Greece by Will Durant. And, and it has uh, a whole lot in it concerning the Persian Empire, which was a great empire and it lasted many years, far longer than the Babylonian Empire uh, or the Assyrian Empire. So consider these things. We're, we're going to move into uh, verse 3 and 4 as when we meet again uh, concerning another empire the rise and fall of the Greek Empire in two verses, as far as Alexander the Great is concerned. Um, so, and the, the list that I read of Persian kings, of course, is a list that I've com compiled. Uh, and all of these things are, they, they can be argued as far as the names go, uh, even, and even some of the dates. But typically this is uh, what is basically understood and known. So uh, I'll give that as a, a way uh, to keep from making a mistake as far as that goes. But as we go on, verses 3 and 4, we're just getting into it as far as this, uh, this chronological view of many, many years of, of kingdoms and how it affected the Jewish people through the years. And I think that's interesting. So any other comments before we dismiss tonight? All right. Let's, um, let's ask the Lord to bless us then as we continue on in these studies. Father, may we come to know you better through your word and through the things that you have done um, in the lives of those that have come before. For we know there's, a, there's purpose and certainly uh, a wonderful conclusion to everything that you do. And it's for the good of those that love you and that serve you in this world. We pray these things, Father, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.